Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Papillon Dupere Publishing. Papillon Dupere Publishing is a niche publishing label that works with authors of commercial and literary fiction, both established and new. P2P is a mission-driven, aiming to bring to market quality work often overlooked by mainstream publishers. Papillon Dupere works a dual model, publishing both traditionally and through an agile hybrid system that guarantees publication for independent authors. Papillon Dupere works meaningfully with writers on their writing journey. Ask them for any testimonials regarding how their team might be able to help you on your writing and publishing journey. Let their authors, clients, and associates tell you. They have a Facebook writers group. They have a website. Uh, you can see that at Papillon Dupere. That is P-A-P-I-L-L-O-N hyphen D-U hyphen P-E-R-E dot com. And you can submit a query to them or email them with any questions. Thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by Caroline Fleur. She wrote the book Destiny and Other Dilemmas. You can find it on Amazon in Kindle format and paperback format. Here is the blurb. Brooke Stern seemed to have the perfect life until she didn't. After an unexpected turn of events that shook her marriage of 15 years, she must navigate her new normal as a single independent woman. Juggling her son's food allergies, her demanding career, and growing interest in a mysterious man, she's determined to restart her life and find a clear path ahead. When she finally reclaims her courage, she is confronted with the harsh consequences of her choices. Any step forward is a potential risk as she tries to make the best decisions for herself and the future of her family. That is, if destiny doesn't step in and decide for her. Based on that, I think I need to own that book as well. Um, I will include a link to the Amazon as, so that you can purchase this book and support the author just as the author has chosen to support this podcast. Thank you, Caroline, and thank you, Chris. Uh, you can find her book in the show notes as well. Thank you both for supporting the Figgy Bookworm. Started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. As you can tell, we're a day late, but it's okay because I have a really fun guest today. Um, I will be talking with Jay Glass. I'm not sure of pronouns, um, but I'm going to say she for now and then we will get into um, the correct ones um, at some point, but she is an author that I worked with on a proofreading project. And I am super, super, super excited to get to talk about 
her new book, Undergrounder. We are going to be discussing published dates and all that kind of fun stuff because the book was amazing. It was super fun. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. So as usual, grab a cup of tea, grab a glass of wine, grab your laundry, whatever, and let's get to it. Thanks. Hello, Jay. I am very glad that I chose the right pronouns. Um, I, I have such a diverse group of friends on Twitter that I never quite know for sure, um, from one point to the next. So, um, I always have to try to be really careful, um, and not, not offend anyone. Um, so I'm really, I'm really glad that, um, I, I chose properly at least in the beginning. So, um, so real quick, tell us just a little bit about you, a little bit about where you're from, um, and what gave you the idea for Undergrounder? Well, I'm originally from the East Coast, um, and, uh, grew up around the DC area and, uh, the, design for undergrounder really came from a love of a lot of like older 80s movies um the old 90s uh, tv series uh, gargoyles and all these things come in and combined and i really wanted to beating the beast is a, a story that's very very close to my heart i grew up with that as a kid that was like my go-to movie as a, as a youngster um i say it you know an old 33 <laughs> But, Little um, Mermaid was mine, so I, I totally get it, yeah. Right, so, um, and I really just wanted to, I wanted to tell my own version of Beauty and the Beast, and I did draw a lot of really awesome inspiration from um, the old Ron Perlman series back in the 80s. Um, I love Ron Perlman, uh, Hellboy to the end. Um, Hell, Hellboy and, is, Hellboy's my heart, I, I, yeah, uh, I totally get it. Del Toro Hellboy, just, ah, chef kiss, <laughs> fantastic. And having Ron Problem playing, which is perfect. So I, I, I drew a lot of inspiration from that and a lot of inspiration from all the old cartoons I used to watch as a kid and then just kind of brought it together in this big conglomeration of a story that's kind of ballooned into something a lot bigger than what I anticipated. But that's always a good thing for readers because now there's content. Yes. Um, I will tell, I don't know if you um, knew this, but the um, director, and I am blanking on his name and he's one of my favorite directors I it's driving me crazy but the director of Hellboy um tried for years to get that movie done and he kept telling everybody Ron Perlman will be Hellboy or I will not direct the movie and they um they kept trying to get Ron involved and he was involved in other projects and it just yeah it took years um for them to get their schedules in in a place where that he could actually be in the movie. But yeah, that was his, you know, Ron Perlman is Hellboy. And yeah. the the director saw that before any of the rest of us did and he was like, yeah, if Ron's not going to be in the movie, you're not getting a Hellboy. That's just oh, yeah. how this is going to be. And yeah. so that was just, you know, such a perfect choice. And um, I really wish that they would make a third one because I want to see what the twins look like. 
Oh, no, full same, full same. I mean, and the the fact that um, Dark Horse, I've actually, I know Dark Horse is who writes the Hellboy series. Um, I forget who, actually, I think it was Warner Brothers who did the movie. I think so. Um, they they didn't want to do, Del Toro wanted to do an Abe Sapien origin story. Um, and they were like, mm, no, nah, we really don't want to do that. And he was like, but I really want to do this. Do it with, and they're like, no. So this is how we got Shape of Water, essentially, that Del Toro was like, that's fine. I'll just, I'll write my own. Fine. Bye. And we ended up, you know, an Academy Award winning monster fucker movie. Excuse me. But I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. Um, we're just going to pretend uh, you were just going to pretend you didn't say a bad word. Yeah. I'm going to pretend I say that word. Um, we'll, we'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it, Undergrounder came from a, a deep love from a lot of, you know, these, these older movies that I grew up with and then just wanting to build a world, um, actually a world within a world within a world because it's actually part of a, a far larger series, which I will be you know, expanding on later on down the road. Yay. Yeah. I, um, I really loved the unique story. Um, and I really, really, really appreciated that, even though it may have been inspired by Beauty and the Beast, which all of us 90s kids, um, Beauty and the Beast is, you know, just amazing. But the original Beauty and the Beast had a sort of Stockholm Syndrome type thing. And, you know, what what your book does not have is, you know, the main character is she's not being held captive. She, right. You know, so there's, you know, you don't get the the Stockholm Syndrome vibes that you sort of do from Beauty and the Beast. Um, so it's, you know, it's a unique take and it was a very original story. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, and I don't usually read books that have graphic sex scenes. I will add... A caveat to this yeah. book, if you have a problem with graphic sex scenes, you probably will not enjoy this book. Um, I, um, you know, I don't usually when I'm proofreading, because I'm not reading necessarily for enjoyment, even though I do end up enjoying all of the books that I proofread, um, I'm reading them with a different part of my brain than I normally would for review or for enjoyment. Um, so it didn't, you know, that, that part of the book didn't necessarily bother me. It's not something that I normally gravitate towards, but it was, it was important to the story. It wasn't it was. just, it wasn't just gratuitous <laughs> sex that you would yeah. find in, you know, something like erotica or, you know, something exactly. like that. So, um, it was definitely a unique take. It was definitely a unique story. I enjoyed it a, a lot. Um, I actually recommended um, to my friend Gabe on Twitter, uh, Gabriel Hargrave, um, because he was wanting books that had sex in them, but made sure to have consent. Yes. And... Um, you know, and when he said that, you know, I was like, Hey, you're going to have to watch for this book. <laughs> um, because it, you know, because while it does have, 
you know, those scenes in it, it's, it's done very tastefully and it's done very, very well, um, in that, you know, they, they make sure that they're both on the same page before anything happens. And, right. you know, and so it's, um, I, I thought it was done really well. It wasn't, there wasn't anything just kind of cringy about right, it. Right, right. Um, which I'm sure yeah. you were aiming for. I hope you were aiming for that. So. Oh, oh, well, definitely, <laughs> definitely aiming for. I mean, it was, it's a scene that I've kind of gone back and forth um, with my wife um, with uh, asking whether or not, you know, if this is something that we need to keep in. Um, and at the end of the day, I really thought it was an important scene because of the consent, because... Right. So rarely do we ever see or read books where, you know, both characters are on the same page, where they definitely want to have that intimacy. You know, we're all, I mean, I wouldn't say we're all, but a lot of us are guilty of, you know, you know one of the smut, you know, where it's, you know, hot and heavy and one thing leads to another and suddenly your clothes are on the floor and, and all yeah. this. And while that does happen for Lee and for Alex, especially with Lee being such a, an innocent, a baby gay, um, of never having a relationship before right. um, with anybody, especially an intimate relationship and having Alex, you know, hold her hand through these processes. I wanted to show and make sure that I was, you know, representing my, you know, my culture, my people um, representing, you know, the consent that needs to be at the staple of all relationships. Of, yeah. You know, if, especially when, like when Alex says, you know, if you say stop, we stop. It's so important to have that vocabulary in intimate relationships regardless you know with the you know, heterosexual relationships and right. same-sex relationships and no on and so forth so it's a scene that i decided that you know some people might think oh well yeah it's just porn and if that's their take on it then okay you know i can't stop them from thinking that but at the end of the day i just i really really wanted there to be a a good sense of consent and a really sweet scene between the two i think right. there are two scenes in the entire book like there's yes. one chapter that's you know the full chapter and then another instance where you know they have a um a little bit more of an intimate moment but i really wanted it to be something that others hadn't seen before and that they can go oh i should you know have my relationships meet to this standard. You know, I should, you know, have that same vocabulary in my relationship. Well, and, you know, you, it's, consent is, you, is typically more of a, you know, there's a lot more, um, we need consent um, in heterosexual relationships. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's kind of a, um, the woman, the man has to be the one to get consent because women just automatically know that it's a thing. And, right. you know, and I think that it's important to know that even when you're in a same gender relationship or a, you know, or in a heterosexual relationship, consent is always a big deal, regardless right. of your gender, regardless of your orientation, regardless of, you know, that part of your life consent is a big, is a big thing, you know, Absolutely. and it's, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's kind of just seen as a, um, the man has to be the one to get consent. Well, no, that's not, that's not true at all. If it's two women together, you still need to make sure that they're on the same page. One woman, exactly. you know, one woman doesn't need to be forcing the other woman into, you know, anything. One man doesn't need to be forcing another man into anything. It should always be, consensual on both yeah. sides regardless of gender and I think that your book handles that really well 
you know, Thank and you. it makes, yeah, it, and it makes sure that, you know, it's seen as, you know, that's important regardless of who you are, that consent right. is, is important. Right. So, um, it's, I am feral. <laughs> feral is probably one of my favorite superhero characters. She she is kind of Lee's alter ego, I yeah. guess, without going into too many spoilers because we don't right, we don't want right. to spoil anything. Um, there, um, you don't you gradually find out, you know, as the story progresses um, about Feral. I'm not going to go into who she is, um, but I will say she kind of strikes me as a as a DC anti-hero type superhero character you know you just kind of. I kind of expect her at some point to start fighting crime <laughs> I mean I, the the sequel is definitely going to blow a lot of people away um, you, you go you go into undergrounder and I mean it starts off with a bang like the first five chapters are intense you know the first yeah. chapter is is absolutely you know is, is Alex essentially you know, being, you know, physically assaulted by thugs and then, you know, drowned. Um, and that's not a spoiler. That's just how the story begins. Yeah. Um, so you have, you know, really intense beginning. So the, the sequel for this, oh boy, like the stuff that, we, that my wife and I have planned because she is my, she's my muse and my co-writer. Um, it's intense, but Feral, Feral was a really fun character to play with. Um, I am a huge fan of Jekyll and Hyde uh, stories. Um, one day I would love to do a, a Jekyll and Hyde, um, a, a, a story that is entirely focused on the two of them, but I love Jekyll and Hyde dynamics where you've got the good and you have what could be considered evil, um, since Hyde is technically evil. So Feral is a little bit of the Hyde half of Lee, um, but as the story progresses and as the series goes on, you actually find out interesting facts about where feral came from and what feral is and how feral is tied to lee's biology and also her origins um because rebecca you know more or less is you know the mother um no spoilers there but where you know where did the the other half of that genetics come from yeah so that's where we start to get into some really interesting facts in the sequels, which I, I won't touch on because I definitely want that to be a big surprise. Um, but no, Feral is such a fun entity, especially with um, how Feral manifests in her body um, yeah. when it's starting to come out with the the, the slow transformation. Because I am a werewolf nerd. I love werewolf movies. Uh, American Werewolf in London is one of my favorite <laughs> Halloween go-to movies. Um so I, I really wanted, I wanted, you know, Lee to be that beast character and I wanted to have that lupine sense without her being a werewolf because, you know, it's been done before. But, you know, what if, you know, what would the shift look like, this force shift as something is pushing out of you um, and this, this other being is rising to the surface of your mind and essentially taking over that. Um, so Feral was really fun to, to play with um, and Feral is going to have a huge part in the, the sequel. Um, so excited, and, and I know I'll and I know I'll get to proofread. So I'm like super, no, super, super excited. Will. Yeah, you absolutely will. And I, I fully expect screaming. I, I <laughs> that's just one of the things, like the hallmark of like. Mwah. 
I love it when I, I send this off and people just come back screaming at me, how dare you? What are you doing? You know, don't do this to my heart, please. So. <laughs> my, yeah, my, my friend Lacey with her um, book, The 13th Zodiac, we, um, you know, we just recently recorded um, our gold, our first episode of the Golden Girls Book Club podcast um, bonus episode and we got to talk about Lacey's book, The 13th Zodiac, and it has a lot of those same, um, those same things in it. You know, it's <laughs> the, when I was proofreading for her back in July, I think it was, I emailed her and I messaged her on Twitter all the time about this book. I'm like, I'm not even necessarily reading this for review, but holy crap, what did you just do? Yes. And, you know, and our friend Katie has been her beta reader since, you know, the very beginning and had, you know, did the same thing. So Lacey was getting emails and messages from me, from Katie, from, you know, all of these other people. And then when our friend Caroline read it for the book club podcast, she, you know, was sending messages to our group chat going, oh my God, this happened. And, you know, so I, I am really, really, really excited for people to have that same type of reaction to your book because I think they will. So I hope, yeah. when, when does it publish so that I can start telling okay. people about it? <laughs> right. So, um, right now it's in the format stage. I'm having it formatted for, um, paperback, uh, hardcover and ebook. Um, I'm hoping fingers crossed, uh, that pre-orders should be able to go up in December, um, possibly the first week of December. Um, I've already got the, the ISBNs and everything set up. I just have to take the price, you know, and I'm, I'm publishing through Lulu, um, press. Um, I just like their, their setup a little better than the other ones that I had seen. So, um, the, the actual publication date um, is a tentative um, April. Okay. And that's when I would like to, to you know, have plenty of time for the ARCs to read, for the ARCs to go out and for people to read and review, um, and then just blast it out April. Um, so that's the tentative date. Um, it might be a little bit, you might come a little bit before at the end of March. It just depends on, but. Um, I see so, you getting, I see you getting really excited in like February. <laughs> <laughs> being oh, being oh, yeah. like okay I have to publish now because <laughs> yeah yeah that's probably what's gonna happen is I'm gonna jump, <laughs> jump the gun and like you're just, my wife is, you're just gonna get impatient our, yeah <laughs> yeah our, our anniversary is in February so um I might just like launch it on our anniversary date and be like hey go back you know happy anniversary <laughs> to me your book so um uh, that's, yeah. that's when I would like to, um, pre-orders are going to be going up very, very soon. Um, and I will have it up on Goodreads and all of these things so that you can see it and track it that way. Um, I'm trying to get it everywhere that I can. Um, and then getting it out to, uh, to other reviewers as well, you know, with other, uh, um, blogs and such, you know, yeah. I'd love being able to get a uh, contact with some book talkers and be like, Hey, would you please read? Um, I'm not quite savvy on TikTok yet. Um, so getting there. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who refuses to even try TikTok. <laughs> I mean, I admittedly, I, I do um, cosplay on there with my wife. Uh, so I am on there and I do have my setup for my book and I do snippets and sneak peeks. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Twitter is where I go because I figured out how to work it. Yeah. Um, TikTok, I'm still, I'm, the nuances are still not quite there yet. So Yeah, I, I've tried 
Instagram. I tried Facebook. Um, I refused to ever try Snapchat. Um, I, I feel like I'm too old for Snapchat. <laughs> um, and you know, and I'm not one of those, I wear makeup every single day and you know, I, my hair constantly looks on point. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, this is what you see is what you get. I just, I don't, I don't wear makeup. I, you know, and my friend Caroline is actually, um, going to be interviewing me for her YouTube channel, uh, within the next couple of months or so. And I was like, I'm going to have to wear makeup, aren't I? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, probably. And I was like, okay, I guess it's time to go buy mascara. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I am back to, back to your book. I will be definitely reviewing on my blog. Um, it's been a while since I've read it. So I will probably wait until I get my signed copy. So excited. Uh, <laughs> um, and I will probably, um, try to read through it again as a reviewer instead of just as a proofreader. Um, right. hopefully I won't see too many mistakes that I missed no, bound to happen. Through, um, <laughs> no, it, it has, it has now officially gone through three sweeps of editing. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So I'm hoping that everything has been caught. Um, I am, that's actually like one of my terrors, um, since I am self-published, um, of putting something out there and then just being like this really generic mistake, like first page. I'm like, how did you miss that? And be like, no, oh my God, I have to go bury myself in the sand now. I'm going to live in, you know, under a rock and come find me. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as I can tell, and the people who have been handling it are, are, you know, very good at what they do. Um, you had it and it was amazing editing that you did for Thank you. it. Um, and I've had uh, two others. So I think we're okay. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. I, um, when I proofread the 13th Zodiac, I started, um, reading through it again for the book club. And, you know, I, when I first proofread her book, I had just started, I hadn't been proofreading very long and I, you know, you know, when I started reading through it again, I'm like, crap, I missed that. Oh, I missed that too. Dang it. <laughs> so, so I had her, I actually had her send me another word doc so that I can, um, go through it in my spare time and try to get, um, some of those last little bits, um, little fitsins, um, corrected. Cause I'm like, you know, I hadn't been proofreading for very long yeah, I've been a reader and I've been reading and my mom is amazing at all of that stuff. Um, if my mom had the time, I would totally like get her hooked up with proofreading for you guys too. Cause she's amazing. Um, her, her only issue is I think she would have the, the biggest problem with, she would just go in and blindly fix all grammar issues. And so in the end, it would read like a textbook. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, you, when you're, when you're proofreading a book, you, you can't, you know, I, I had one author that I just finished, um, actually three books, uh, for him. Um, and he has a, they, 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 them character. Uh -huh. 
And so when I proofread the first book, that was definitely something I had to convince my brain was okay. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you, you know, you're almost my age. So you're, you know, your education is from back in the day when they, them was mm-hmm. plural. It was, yeah. <laughs> you did, yeah. you did not refer to a single person as they or them. It just yep. did not happen. And so when I proofread that book and, you know, one of the characters, Diamonds, is, you know, her pronouns are their, excuse me, their pronouns are they, them. Um, see, I told you, I tried, but it's, it slips out. Um, but you know, diamonds is, you know, their pronouns are they, them. And Zach did an amazing job of making sure that diamonds was they, them, but I had to convince my brain that that was okay. Yeah. You know, because my education was, that is not okay. That is, that's, bad grammar. You don't talk about someone like that. And, you know, and then my friend Gabe on Twitter actually has a character in his book that is it it's. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, it's probably a good thing. I don't read much erotica because I'm not sure I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't blame you. That's your choice. That's, you know, if that's your jam, knock yourself out. Um, You know, but, you know, as a proofreader, your first go-to is perfect grammar. Everything must be perfect. Everything must be perfectly spelled. And that's just, that's just not okay. I mean, it's, you have to go with what each book needs, itself. You know, you have to treat it as its own separate personality and its own separate entity. Um, you know, I had one, I, I did one book that three of the characters are not quite aliens, but not quite human either. Okay. And so they speak in no contractions. They, you know, it would instead of it, you know, it, it had, yeah. or, you know, yeah. and, you know, I would instead of I'd, you know, that kind of thing. And, but you know, there were another couple of characters that were fully human and we're speaking the same way. And I'm like, there needs to be some sort of separation between those two. And so, yeah. You know, I, when I was editing and and proofreading that book, I would kind of switch some of the language for one character into using those contractions Mm -hmm. and leaving the no contractions to the not quite human characters. Right. So that there was that distinction. So every, every book has to be treated Mm -hmm. differently. You cannot just blanket fix all grammatical issues and think that's work, think that's okay. Oh yeah. So... Um, and your book, I, I don't remember actually having to fix a whole lot in your book. I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, that, 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 (laughs) you know, uh, that we caught everything. Uh, but it's interesting that you're talking about what the language is because, you know, we do have Lee speaking in a different manner than what is normal and having someone go in and just blind fix grammar, um, because she speaks in italics is because of, you know, 
the uh the special way that she speaks um yeah you know that that would have it would have changed at least in my mind the, the way that things are done since she speaks with the italics is because of you know that certain thing that we'll let readers find out later but then she also signs so you know speaking in sign language you know that it you have to have that distinction between the different types of speech and right. that, that's just to me that's you know it's always really cool when authors and editors pick up on that and then they they help with it yeah. Because then you're just bringing the story to life more than what it was originally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool that they had, you know, uh, different types of speech in the story. That's just that's little nuances like that I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually really excited for when her book comes out. Um, it's called Absolution. And it's, it's about these three. It's a romance, sort of. It's kind of hard to describe because it's, you know, these three young men are, they are immortal beings that were born to create absolution and save the world from its sins, basically. And they are taught that love is bad. Uh, Love does not really exist. Um, And that that will be one thing that will be taken away during absolution um, because it is considered evil. Well, one of the characters meets a young woman in their town and essentially falls in love with her. It's love at first sight. And he doesn't know how to deal with it because he had been taught his entire life that love was bad. And he's like, you know, well, how is this feeling bad? Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, he has, he's forced to hide, hide it from his brothers and their guardian. And, um, you know, it's, it's this whole thing of right. you know them trying to be together. And yet he has this conflict of, you know, I want to be with her, but I have to save the world, but I want to be with her, but I have to save the world, you know, and that back right. and forth. And so I'm really excited about her book coming out as well um, because it has, you know, it's another one of those unique stories that I love so much from the self-published community um, and the indie community. Um, You know, these are the types of stories that I just don't get from traditional publishers. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, a book like Undergrounder they would have changed so much if you had gone the traditional yeah. publishing route. They would have probably made you change Lee into an actual werewolf in order to have it fit the marketing and what's marketable yeah. and, you know, or have, you know, or change her into a zombie. Um, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh, God. I don't want to. You'd have, you'd have a warm bodies thing on your hands. Oh, no, it would have been. Oh, it would have been terrible. And, uh, it would have been. Yeah. Or it's the dynamic of her and her mother and, you know, her and her aunt. And, um, that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons why um, at the very end of the day I ended up choosing self-publishing because I know that Undergrounder, out of the, the stories that I'm writing right now, it is uh, very niche. Um, and it's very hard to market in terms of, you know, where to place it on the shelf. And I know that, you know, editors and agents and such, you know, they, they kind of want that cookie cutter of, ah, yes, I can place you here. Yeah. And undergrounder spans genres, you know, it's yeah. romance, it's urban fantasy, it's, um, uh, 
And I would say, yeah, it's paranormal romance, it's urban fantasy, it's romance, and there's a little bit of mystery tied in there as well yeah. um, that we expand on in the uh, the sequels. Um, there's a little bit of superhero also, there, too. A little bit of superhero there, um, and I, I can safely say that um, uh, the sequel, which is Topsider, there will be three. Um, there's Undergrounder, Topsider, and Insider, so we have three, three books coming. Oh, yeah, there's, it's going to be a trilogy. That's the only trilogy I'm ever writing, so be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never doing this again. Um, but in uh, in Topsider, um, you know, we we started we expand on a world that I really want to touch on in my other stories, um, and we do. But it's still it's still very nuanced in what it is, and so that's why I decided you know to to do the self publishing route because I didn't want anybody touching the characters and changing them. And they would have. have because there's there's a specific reason why Lee is not a werewolf. Like, I yeah. mean, there, there is, there, there's a specific reason why, you know, Rebecca is the way that uh, she is and why M is the way that um, she is. And God bless Amelia. We love her so much. And Georgia and all the characters that they, you know, evolved. And I wouldn't want anybody taking that and changing it, you know, to be marketable because then at the end of the day, then I've sold, I wouldn't say sell out because I hate the term sell out, but I have hollowed out the story that I wanted to tell in yeah. order to be able to place it on a bookshelf. And I didn't want to do that. So Well, and I think that by keeping it the way that it is and by keeping it, you know, because you have, you know, every author, you specifically have, you know, very unique personalities. You have unique views on the world. And, you know, I think that that is what makes these books marketable is, you know, to, to, you know, to specific crowds, because you have the people who won't ever read anything but traditional publishing, they won't read anything right. but mainstream. And I think they're missing out on a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, because I think that the originality of Undergrounder specifically, and self publishing in general, the originality and the genre hopping is what makes them marketable. Yeah. You know, I, you know, one, one thing I'm sure if you have listened to the podcast at all, um, you have heard me say Hollywood needs to stop making remakes. Absolutely. Hollywood needs to come to Twitter to the self-publishing slash indie community. Mm -hmm. They would have a treasure trove Oh, of yeah. brand new stories and original stories. And, you know, because when The Matrix came out, um, you know, and yes, I am really excited for Matrix 4. I'm thrilled beyond it's not really a, measure. It's not a reboot. They're just continuing it. Right. Um, but I will say Bill and Ted face the music. What the heck is that about? Seriously? <laughs> oh, Bill and Ted. <laughs> I, I didn't even see the sequel. And then all of a sudden they've got one where they're like 55 years old. Uh -huh. What? No. Just no. Stop. It's also really hard to see Keanu Reeves as Bill and Ted after, you know, he's been Neo and then also John Wick. John, right? <laughs> he's, you know, he's been Neo. He's been John Wick. He's been, um... There's been several other characters that he's been, you know, even from the guy in, from Speed, his very first action movie, yeah. Yeah. you know, that was, that was his, um, 
I'm more than I'm more than Bill uh, movie. Um, and that is what cemented him as the action star and probably what yeah. got him the character as Neo. So it yeah, I can't even bring myself to watch that movie. Because I I no <laughs> stop. Please yeah. stop making remakes, stop making sequels. If you need original content, seriously, there's, I mean, Undergrounder would make an amazing TV show. I would love it if it wasn't a miniseries. Oh my God. You know, I mean, it's, there's just, there's so much awesome content and you know, there's tons of small, small press producing companies Mm -hmm. that, you know, need content for their producing companies. Hello. So, yeah, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, in case you hadn't noticed. I am no, no, really, oh, really, really opinionated on, yeah. on the the whole um, Hollywood thing. Um, <coughs> sorry. Try to inhale and swallow at the same time. <clears throat> Does not work. Um, you know, and I, you know, my my husband and I, when we watch TV or watch movies, that is like... I go for the original looking right. stuff. You know, we are, we're currently watching. It's, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how to describe it. It's called Preacher. It's an AMC original. I know Preacher. Um, have you seen it? I have not seen it, but I read the comic a while back. So I know of it. I just haven't been able to, to watch the series It's yet. actually really interesting. It's, you know, I, I'm not a big graphic novel fan. Um, I, my brain doesn't, it doesn't do pictures in my books very well. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I am not one of those people that will tell you that if you read graphic novels that you're not reading books, won't ever do that. Um, I'm just not used to pictures in my books. I haven't done that since I was a kid. So, you know, so I've never read the graphic novels. Um, My husband, I'm pretty sure, wants them now because (laughs) of this show. Um, But it's super interesting. It's about a preacher in West Texas. And he has inherited his father's church. And his... um, He, before he became this preacher... He was not a very good dude. And um, so he, you know, is wanting to bring people to God. um, But he's not very good at it. (laughs) And so he gets possessed, I guess. Um, it's, It's really, it's... That word isn't, isn't quite what happens, but, um, he gets infested, I guess, with this being that gives him the power to override people's free will. Yeah. And, you know, I, spoilers, not going to say what it is. If you've read the graphic novels, you probably know, but for listeners sake, not going to, not going to say what it is or anything like that. Um, but he has, you know, this power that takes over people's free will. And so he decides that this power is going to help him bring people to God. Yeah. And 
so we're we're still in season one, I think. Um, and we just started it yesterday. We're still in season one, but it's super interesting. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I like is that original, unique take on right. on different things. Right. Again, that's why I like self-published in indie community. Don't give me something that is the same thing as everything else. You right. know, I need a unique take on something, you know, a unique take on the superhero genre. I need a unique take exactly. on the the Jekyll and Hyde story, you know. And yeah, that totally. was that was what I got when I read Undergrounder, you know, was that unique take. So I would love to see it become like a TV show, miniseries. You know, Absolutely they would they would probably take a lot of poetic license on it because that's kind of what they do. Um, but, you know, there's just there's so much unique content out there that you don't need to remake stuff. You no, don't. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of reboots. Granted, you know, I'm wearing my, my, my reboot shirt right now. Um, so, you know, a little hypocritical right there. But as a, as a whole, um, I'm not really a big fan of reboots. Um, I do like reimaginings, uh, which is why Undergrounder was so fun to do um, as a Beauty and the Beast reimagining with, you know, new things tied inside of it. Um, and that's kind of the prompting behind also doing my other books um, in the series. Um, there's uh, Blood and Tines, which is Undergrounder. It's funny. It falls directly in the center of this world in timeline wise. Um, I don't know why I ended up starting it with that because um, it all stands on its own. Um, all of the series stand on their own. But Undergrounder is directly in the middle because it takes place in 2003, um, two years after the towers fell, um, which is more or less not really that important to the story, but at least to give you a pinpoint of uh, time wise. But then you have, you know, Blood and Times, which takes place in 1666, um, actually 1666 to 1667, Scotland, during the witch trials. And it actually ties into Undergrounder. And then later on down the way, we have um, Ether Roots, uh, which is, takes place in 2018, which does also tie into Undergrounder and also ties into Blood and Times, but in the entire arc of this big, long story. Um, so it's just been, it's really fun to, to take, you know, to reimagine different stories and to blend them into these, you know, new arcs and these new imaginings um, for people to enjoy. And that's, you know, with the, the indie community and the self-publishing community, it's just, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's rampant because of the rampant is usually a, a bad term for it, but it's, it's beautiful to see, you know, all these people coming up with all these awesome ideas and all these original ideas. Um, but then it's sad because you're right. Um, mainstream publishing completely ignores them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they want mainstream publishing and mainstream Hollywood, you know, they want what's safe. They want what's marketable. They want to, they want what will sell and will make them money. Yeah. Which I mean, in, you know, our you know, capitalistic world, yay, I guess. Um, but in terms of like actually like outing, you know, getting people out there and getting new content out there, it's, you know, it's, it's a dead zone. You know, all these new books that are coming out, you know, it's, you've read the stories a thousand times and it's just, you know, it's a small take, you know, a small tweak on it. Um, whereas the, you know, Indian and self-publishing community are just, you know, blowing the doors off. Yeah. Um, so I do hope that it's something that does change. And I think, um, you know, with COVID being, you know, the, the game changer, the, the playing field, you know, wiper of, you know, our, our pretty much of our um, 20th century, 
um, I think we're going to see, or 21st century, I think we're going to see um, a definite rise in the arts, you know, as we saw, you know, when the plague ended, the Renaissance started. So yeah, I think we're going to see something very similar to that with, you know, the arts as it progresses on um, and in the writing community, since, you know, trad publishing is, is kind of, you know, more or less having its own difficulties. So that's my hope, at least, is that, you know, maybe, you know, if Undergrounder, you know, tweaks, you know, the interest of somebody, you know, over at Netflix or, you know, with Amazon or Hulu, and they're like, you know, I would love to, you know, do a series. Obviously, you're going to have to clear things with me because, like, you're not going to rework my story. Um, you're not going to take my characters and make them something else. There's a specific way I have them uh, for. And there's me, a specific but... reason that they are the way that yeah. they are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's, it's not something you can come in and just play around with and, you know, change, um, you know, on a whim or for views. But I would love it if it happened. Um, you know, that would be the best case scenario. I mean, honestly, I just, the thing that I want out of my publishing, or at least out of, you know, the world that I create is I would love a fandom. <laughs> I love, I started in fandom. That's where I started my writing is, you know, I, I hold, you know, no shame of saying that, you know, I started with the fan fictions. That's where I began writing as a kid and into my, you know, younger adult years, you know, that's where I learned how to write and um, how to craft stories and characters and voices. And, you know, that's where I built my readership. Um, and I just, you know, I, I would love to have a fandom you know, like that where, you know, people are sending me fan art and they're doing cosplays and they're like, you know, Hey, look, I made, you know, this cool thing with this character. I'm a, I would, it would lose my mind. Absolutely. Lose I, my mind. I need to, yeah. If I could draw, I need to see some fan art of Feral. I just really, really, really do. I need to see. There actually is. Really? You're going to have to send me some. Yeah. I... I will send you some. Um, I have one piece, and it's a specific scene. I think you remember it, um, where uh, somebody decides they're going to come through a window. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Where, where someone looks a little different and doesn't quite look quite right and is a little bit too um, feral. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yep, um, that was a, a piece that I had done a little while back because I really did like that scene a lot, you know, of being able to see that, like, the other instance of Lee. Um, but working on the new cover for Topsider, we'll actually be able to see Feral too. Nice. So, so we will. But I would, I would love to see, you know, fan art of Feral and, you know, all of her, her you know, amazing, not gruesome glory, but, you know, that, that, you know, bestial glory that is feral. Um, I'd love to see, you know, Georgia brought to life with M or, you know, with, um, Alex, you know, in her element or Alex and Lee, you know, as it is, um, yeah, just anything really like, I don't, I don't care. I want to, I want a fandom. That would be amazing just to have that, just to have people, you know, like your work enough that, you know, I want to cosplay this to a con because that's what I do. You know, I, I build, I'm a prop builder. Actually, right now I'm sitting in my workshop um, in the basement uh, where I do all of my cosplay building. So, you know, I would love it if that ended up I mean, where my work took that, you know, I built enough of a fandom where they were like, you know, you know, here's art and here's cosplay. And, you know, I wrote a fic about this. Like, you know, I can't technically read it, but awesome. Play in my sandbox. It's fine. <laughs> my sandbox is really, really big. It can hold all of you. I promise. Right. Like, please come in and play. Like, obviously, you know, be kind to one another because, you know, fandoms do have that nasty habit of, you know, the elitism and gatekeeping. But be nice to each other. Please play. Yes. It's, 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 it's fun. This is what it's meant to be fun. You know, reading is entertainment. You know, if that's what it's for. 
um, books and stories are meant to entertain and to teach. So, you know, if I can do that and entertain enough to where, you know, you want to play in my sandbox, then by God, please do it. Yeah, I, you know, and that was one of the reasons why I started my book blog, you know, and, you know, yeah, I started it with the mainstream publishers and, you know, the books that were on my bookshelf. But when I started getting messages from authors and when I started on Twitter and started getting to connect with all of these different authors, you know, my, my very first podcast episode, um, was me and my friend Essie talking about how amazing we thought it was that we got to talk to authors you know, because growing up, authors were like this far off, unachievable thing, you know, that you, you know, and even now I, if I sent a message to Stephen King, chances are I probably wouldn't get a response. But, you know, so authors were just like this, you know, this far off thing in the ether. And, you know, and so when I started my blog and started getting to connect with actual authors I'm like I have arrived (laughs) I you know I still I still feel like the little nerdy kid who has been asked to sit at the in crowds table oh you know I that's I still feel that way even after you know a long time in this community it feels like a long time you know, in this community and getting to make all of these friends, I still feel like I don't quite belong. And I still feel super fortunate that I get to be part of the in crowd. Um, And that is, that's amazing that, you know, us as readers and you as authors, we actually get to connect through, you know, through this, super fancy schmancy medium (laughs) known as Twitter. Um, You know, and I get to read these unique stories because when I was a kid, if you weren't traditionally published, you weren't published. Right. I mean, that's still kind of, there's a, there's a still a large mindset about that. Whereas if you're not traditionally published, you're not published. Um, which is crap. It's yeah. It's that's BS. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if you're, if you have written a story, you are an author. Exactly. Um, I do, I, I have been told that I am a writer because I blog, but I am not an author because I have not written a book. That's okay. That's, that's that's my, that's my mindset. I, I am not an author. I, would never want to be an author. I think it is super hard what you guys do. And I, <laughs> I'm not even going to ever try. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I admire that so much that you guys are able to create these wonderful stories that I get to read and I get to enjoy and I get to imagine that I am part of these worlds And then I get to go to my little corner of the internet and I get to tell other people about these super awesome, fun books that I read and got to enjoy and, you know, and hopefully get them involved in that world as well. And 
that's just, it's my favorite part about being a book blogger is that I get to connect my subscribers and my readers with books that they wouldn't normally find. Right. You know. And you were playing a vital part in the indie and uh, the self-publishing, you know, genres by doing that because you know, with, self, with you know trad publishing you've got the agents and the and you've got your editors and you have every all that money that's able to push it out there you know yeah. we, we've learned that the, you know the new york times you know being on the new york times is essentially bought now um it's not necessarily on merit you know i say that loosely because sometimes it is but sometimes it's not but what you're providing is you know that that launching point for authors you know to be able to showcase their work and it's so important to have that and you know it's amazing that you do that because not a lot of people do yeah. i mean you've got your you know booktubers and all that on there but you know having somebody who actually sits down and talks with authors you know candidly um and talk with any author you know it, it's not you know oh you know i won't talk to you unless you know you're part of like the big five you know it's just it's really it's great to to know that there are people out there who are interested and you know blogs like yours and you know being able to you know shed light be a little bit of a spotlight onto that you know it's it's amazing part and it's also vital yeah to what we do so i mean what you do is vital yeah and i um you know and when i started this podcast you know, I, I knew I wanted to start a podcast, was scared crapless to start oh, yeah, a podcast. Yeah. I, you know, my, my first episode with my friend Essie, you know, was, I was so nervous. I had stomach issues. Not going to go into detail. Not, just not. But I was so nervous. I had to cut the interview. I had to cut our, our chat short because I just, my stomach was in knots. Um, and, you know, there's just, there's something about putting your voice out there. That is, yeah. it's, I was scared crapless. But, you know, I knew, you know, and after doing that chat with her and then doing a chat with my friend Seb back in de December of 2020, um, you know, I, I felt like I had found the niche of how I wanted my podcast to be. And, yeah. you know, then in January, when I sent out a tweet to everybody and was like, you know, hey, I have this new podcast and I have this, you know, format that I want for my podcast. I had such a huge response from authors and writers and readers and bloggers and booktubers and, you know, all of these people that were like, hey, I I would love to be part of that. Yeah. I was amazed. I was like, y'all don't even know me. <laughs> I have been on Twitter for like three months. And, you know, and, but, you know, over the course of the year, it's, you know, this is what it's grown to. It's been, you know, I get to talk with authors and I get yeah. to learn about their books and I get to learn about their process. And we are almost out of time. Can you believe it's been an hour? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my my recorder is at like four and a half minutes from shutting off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, but that's what I wanted this podcast to be. Even if I didn't have millions of listeners like Dax Shepard, um, he is my my goal, by the way, is <laughs> Dax Shepard-esque podcast super super popular everybody listens to it that's that's my goal um 
but you know, even if I never reach that, I'm still going to do this because it's fun and I get to sit and I get to talk with you guys and you know, I get to showcase your work to other people, you know? Yeah. So, okay. We have four minutes left. <laughs> Any last words? Um, not anything that I can think of. I'm always terrible at this. You know, would you like to say anything else? And I'm like, uh, my brain, uh, just shuts off. Um, other than, you know, thank you obviously for having me here, um, for talking with me. Oh, it's um, been a blast. For, you know, for working on Undergrounder and polishing it um, to, you know, the, the standards that now we can publish. Um, uh, to, you know, the people listening, you know, uh, you know please visit my um, my Twitter page. Uh, I will have all the information up very soon on pre-orders um, and as well as, you know, I'm building a website right now. That'll be up soon. Um, work life and, and real, you know, real life, work life, and then book life, you know, they, they can't, can't merge yet. Um, so I am in the process of that. So, you know, please keep an eye on my Twitter. Um, I will have all the information up. Um, pre-orders will be dropping soon. I am doing an ARC run. If anyone is interested in that, um, go ahead and DM me on Twitter and we'll talk more. And you, that. you, on Twitter, you are J J A E underscore E underscore glass, correct? Yes. yes, yes. Okay. J E glass. Yep. Um, so you can find me there. Yeah. You know, J A E E glass, um, is me on Twitter. So you yeah, know, find me, come talk to me. I love talking with people. Seriously. I'm, I'm just a massive nerd. Uh, please don't be afraid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really nice RBF, but I'm really just a, a big old nerd. So, but beyond that, just, you know, thank you for having me here today. I love chatting with you. I'd love to be back. Um, and I think we will be back once, you know, we, uh, we launch into more stuff. Once, once you launch. Yeah, I will be, um, I'm going to be a lot more careful scheduling the podcast for next year. Um, just because when I, back in January, when I scheduled, I scheduled the entire year in January, people, people started forgetting and it, it, it honestly just created this, this huge mess. Um, so I will not be doing that again next year. I will be, okay. I will be scheduling in a little bit shorter increments. Um, okay. but last, but this past year, I also was not scheduling every Saturday. So this next year I will have more time because I will be scheduling every week. So okay. it's, you know, it, it's going to change a little bit. Um, but Listeners will not be missing out on any content. Hopefully, I will be. Hopefully, I'll have the time to add a little bit more. I'm definitely working on my website, trying to get it back. Um, I went self-hosted, so uh, some of my stuff disappeared. So I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm working really hard on getting that back. Um, but I I have proofreading open next month. I okay. have I have a like. Three, I think book reviews coming. I will be doing blogmas this year. That's gonna oh, be cool. fun. <laughs> Cross your fingers that I actually do it. We'll see. <laughs> but it has been super, super fun having you. I cannot believe how quickly Thanks this so hour much, yeah. went. This was amazing. Yeah, I? I will definitely have you back, hopefully, um, once Undergrounder publishes and we'll be able to talk about it and get people to buy it from you. So I absolutely love that. So jazz, <laughs> ready to go. Okay, well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Have Thank a good you. One. You too. Bye bye.